Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode of The Formula, where we break down and explore the elements of achievement in athletes, business owners, artists, writers, all types of people. My name is Trevor Carlson, and I will be your host this evening. On this week's episode, I sit down with Mary My City founders, Talis Drew and Caitlin Byers. I met Caitlin a few years ago after she started working at local nonprofit organization, Nuboco, and uh, really got to see from the, the outside her and Talis work on Marry My City and grow it from day one. I've been really impressed with what they've been able to do so far, so I invited them to be guests on the show. Caitlin, Talis, and I all sit down and we talk about how they got their start at Marry My City, how they developed their pitch, and why it's important to be able to communicate your message across clearly. We also talk about the types of things that they do outside of work that really affect how their business operates and really just <laughs> how it overlaps into the business world itself. I really enjoyed talking with Talis and Caitlin. I think they really share a lot of a lot of uh, useful and helpful knowledge and experiences that they've been through. And I know I had a lot of takeaways just from this episode, and I feel like you will too. So instead of me rambling on anymore... Let's get this show rolling with Caitlin and Talis from Marry My City. On this week's episode of The Formula, I have Caitlin and Talis from Marry My City. Caitlin and Talis, you gonna want to tell me a little bit about how you guys got started on Marry My City? You bet. Hey, this is Caitlin. Thanks so much for having us here today, Trevor. So to give you some insight into how we started this business, it was a couple years ago. I was really came up with this idea and there was this group I was a part of and they had us do this little activity where you could pitch to the group, just an idea at random. And I had kind of been thinking about this idea and I gave this pitch and it was just, I bombed it. It was pretty terrible. But I had one person that came up to me afterward and said, you know, you should think about doing that. That's really cool. So I applied for the Iowa Startup Accelerator through Nuboco. And uh, when I got in, the words of advice I got were to basically, you need to bring on somebody else. You don't want to start this business alone. You need to have a co-founder. So uh, I went on a walk with my friend Talis, who's sitting right here next to me. And I was telling her about the business and she just said, hey, I'll join you. Um, and really, that was it. We started it off. Uh, we had both been going to tons and tons of weddings, and we're really tired of of the same old stuff, you know, buying pots and pans and towels and laundry baskets and all that stuff, um, and really wanted to give couples kind of an experience in their city. So that's where it started, and we went through venture school and kicked it off about a year and a half ago. Okay, so it sounds like you kind of had like a normal startup story, uh, and then you brought on your friend Talis. So, what what types of things have you have you learned just from starting your own business for the first time? Because this is your guys' first business, right? I actually have my own business already. I've been working for about five years as an independent dance instructor, so I have a little experience um, running a small business. Um, but in terms of a startup or something that's a kind of a new idea, this is definitely our first time around. Um, in terms of things that I've learned, and I'll let Caitlin jump in on this. I think when you're um, shooting around a new idea and you're not really sure which way to go, you can kind of get stuck in that 
analysis paralysis and think, oh, what if we do it like this? What if we do it like that? And you realize that you're not actually going anywhere. So I think when we started to really build some traction was when we just started to try things and to, to really invest in that customer discovery phase. And then we figured out, you know, what we were doing, where we were going, and we could problem solve better from there. Yeah, well said. I totally agree. And just that focus, having that focus as you're moving forward. And we're kind of big idea gals. So we would sit down and we'd come up with all these really cool add-ons and additions to the business. And we really just had to come back to the mission and core of what we're trying to do constantly to to refocus and realign Something else I would say is to get lots of advice. And so we were pretty good about reaching out to mentors that we had in venture school that um, are here in this building. We are at the New Boca right now in the geometric building. Tons of mentors that we found through that network. And we would take people to lunch and we would, um, you know, go out for coffees and you get a lot of advice and not all of it is exactly what you want to hear or that you agree with, but everything kind of helps move your business forward in some way. So we were really good about keeping track of all that and building and cultivating all those relationships. So to summarize, it sounds like if you want to get out of the analysis paralysis stage, which a lot of other startups seem to kind of get stuck in, well, I think writers and, and all kinds of people really get stuck in that phase. What you're saying is go out and talk to more people and kind of really understand who your customer or your reader or whoever's going to be interacting with your product is. And then from there, go, go buy mentors or people that have been there before coffee and, and talk with them. Is there, is there anything else that you'd like to add to that? I think also going through venture school, the main thing there was it forced us to pitch every week and developing our pitch, especially as a team, forced us to really um, not just think we knew what we were, know what we were talking about, but really dive into the research a little bit more. Um, I think when we started doing more competitions and pitches, we really started to figure out what that MVP was, what we needed, who our customers were, and to understand better the details of the business that we were building. And on a lighter note, another thing you could do is find a co-founder that's pregnant because <laughs> we um, uh, went through the process. Talis was a champ. She was pregnant when we started this business. And then we had this baby around. And anytime a baby's around and you're working, you just like stop taking yourself so seriously. And you really kind of think about what's important in life. So um, Schaefer, her awesome baby boy, was like staring at us while we were working. And it was fabulous to have him and his energy in the room. That sounds like a great tip. Just find a co-founder that's expecting and everything will go smooth from there. So what? it sounds like everything has run pretty smooth for you guys so far. What do you think, the other than, other than expecting a child, what do you think the biggest challenge that you face so far is? And how did you really, how did you really work through that? So I remember early on, you know, even after we had gone to venture school, we had kind of a heart-to-heart moment where we were like, okay are we in this? How much are we in this? And because it was a new process for both of us, we didn't have any prior experience with being co-founders, having a startup. We kind of had to figure out how serious we were going to be and then make the jump from there. If we were going to be equal business partners, what that meant financially, what the stakes were. And so I don't want to say that it was terribly uncomfortable, but I think that was a moment for us where just as friends and co-founders, we really had to hold each other accountable and make a full-time commitment from that point on. 
Yeah, and I would just say the entire process is a learning experience. So um, you have to be really comfortable, like not knowing a lot of things. So a lot of us get comfortable in our day to day because we're, you know, we know what we're doing at work and in life. And um, there was a lot of things being thrown at us that we didn't know how to tackle or accomplish, and we had to just figure it out. So, you know, I we didn't know the ins and outs of like trademarking and operating agreements and um, building different types of business plans. So uh, that was a really it's really cool to kind of step back and recognize that you don't know a lot of things and you constantly have to be comfortable with that learning process. I'd like to meet these people that actually know what they're doing on a daily basis because I, for one, have no idea what I'm doing pretty much most of the time. <laughs> so before we get too far ahead, why don't you tell, tell the audience what Marry My City is and like what you guys do there? Because I, I have a general idea and I think it's pretty cool from what I understand. I'm not going to butcher it and try to explain it, though. I'll just I'll let you guys uh, take this one. Marry My City. Marry My City is um, an online gift registry focused on local experiences instead of stuff. So generally, couples will go to Target, Bed Bath & Beyond to register for their gift giving for their weddings. And uh, we are rerouting that to these local businesses, these small business owners, um, to offer couples a chance to experience their city. So whether that's cooking classes or a night out at the theater or a date night or maybe even going skydiving or doing something a little bit out of their comfort zone, we're trying to get couples to experience their first year of marriage together. So instead of people buying like another crock pot or a silverware set, you're actually allowing people to buy like a combo package of like, you can go to this nice fancy restaurant and then you can go to the theater and then maybe there's wine and drinks at this, at this bar. Is that, is that, am I understanding it correctly? Yeah, you're definitely on target there. And we're also really trying to push those like adventure activities and hobbies that couples can maybe learn together early on in marriage and hopefully continue throughout their lives together. A good example of that might be dance lessons. So they they build the skill that somebody has gifted them for their wedding. And then if they it turns out that they really like it, that's hopefully something that they can do for forever together. And on the flip side, we're also giving guests um, a really unique gift giving experience. So instead of kind of that mundane, you know, whatever's on their list, here's a gravy bowl kind of thing, um, we're actually allowing them to be a part of this couple's first year of marriage and um, their life as a couple and, and get to know them even before the wedding. So maybe they didn't know that they liked a certain coffee and now they're buying them this coffee subscription locally. Um, or maybe they didn't know that they love this art gallery and they're really into cool pieces of artwork um, and they were able to... Um, gift them something that just has a little bit more meaning. How do you decide on what types of things get put into your registry? Because I feel like there could be some, you know, there's there's probably some really awesome things, but don't you have to curate a little bit of what experiences are on there so you make sure that the guests or whoever's receiving the the gifts have an awesome experience as well? We certainly do have a curation process. We try to keep it uh, as diverse as possible, meaning we don't want 50 brewery options or winery options. Um, We also try to partner with businesses that understand the idea, that buy into the mission of supporting local and um, promoting experiences versus stuff. Uh, We also have business partners that maybe are a little bit more familiar with some newer technology and they're already capable of supporting, you know, a gift card based business, which is where we are right now. Another thing I'll add is that we're finding out some of them through couples. So couples are telling us, you know, what they'd like to have on their registry. And then we approach those businesses. We also, we just had a board meeting or an advisory board meeting last night with our awesome group. Shout out to our advisory board. And they were even giving us suggestions last night. So constantly as people are hearing about our business, we just are receiving these recommendations. And it's been really fun to kind of go chase these uh, vendors and then also learn about some of the local businesses that maybe we haven't even experienced yet. 
So you've brought up having like a board and mentors and like a good network a couple times now. And I, I mean, I've, I've known you for about two years and I've always been very impressed by your ability to like build your network and relationships. How important do you think that's been to the success of your business that you've had so far? Definitely very important. We can definitely overuse the word networking. It sounds very scary and some people don't love um, the concept of it. But at its core, it's really just getting to know people that are around you and being uh, your unique self and you know, having that human connection. And once you find out what's important to them and what they're really good at and um, you're able to share some things about yourself, there's kind of this natural progression of, you know, here's how I can help you and here's, you know, vice versa. So there's been a lot of different things we've stumbled upon just through various relationships, even through our vendors and figuring out, you know, there's all these little hidden talents just even in our in our workspaces alone. So we've had a lot of different uh, people help us out along the way and, um Every week, it seems like there's there's someone new to chat with. So you both are you're both are involved in a lot of different stuff outside of you know, Caitlin. You have a full time job. Plus, you run Mary My City, and Talis, you run your business. Plus, you work on Mary My City. And then, from an outside perspective, it looks like you guys are involved in like a ton of stuff. Otherwise, so how how does that affect your how does that affect your work? Does it does it bring a lot of positive stuff to the table? I have a ton of questions about this, so so I don't know what your opinion is on it, and I would I would just love to hear it. So yeah, I've um, working at Nuboco full time, which has been awesome because there's so many resources in this space. So I'm already around that startup scene. I'm um, learning from other startup founders. Um, we have access to to so many different things throughout the day here. Um, and on top of that, I love what I do. So it's been really great um, having this just as a constant resource. That being said, I am now 60% time at Nuboco and 40% uh, Mary My City. So slowly working toward you know that full time mentality. But um, but that balance is definitely very important, and it can definitely be a struggle. So working for a nonprofit organization, you're already kind of working nights and weekends. So that night and weekend thing is just like a constant. So it's really great to have more dedicated time to Mary My City throughout the week. Um, and everybody, everybody around here has been super supportive. So that has it's definitely a challenge sometimes, but I'm someone who likes to be – busy and have tasks to do and feel successful in certain things. So um, it's been a joy being a part of it all. Yeah. And to talk about uh, how Caitlin and I are both really involved in our community, we both are active in the theater, you know, as dancers and and singers and performers. And um, we both were members of Impact CR Board. That's actually how we originally met and became friends. So I think that just speaks to the mission really of Marry My City, and that is supporting the local economy. You know, Caitlin and I do that now on a professional level, but we've done that for a long time, just as individuals, you know, as as amateurs in the community, just taking part in different things and supporting um, the businesses that we love in that way. So I think that that just helps us kind of really represent the brand of Marry My City because people know that we're out there supporting these businesses just on our own because we love them. And now we want to do that in a bigger way that really makes it a monetary difference. And going back to kind of that balance and how we create that balance, we both feel like, as Tala said, we're involved in other things, and it still is very important for us to get involved in those things and and still perform and still travel and still um, you know have our have our different hobbies and take part in those. And so you know our business is better because we take time to do the things that we love to do, and we're supportive in each other for doing those things. So um, that's also a big piece of how we remain a bit sane and keep everything balanced. 
Yeah, I was going to ask about that, but so thank you for jumping on that question already. So what I'm, what I'm wondering is, let's go back to square one when you, when you started Marry My City. And let's just say, Talis, you're already on board. Uh, if, so you're starting a startup from scratch. With the, with the knowledge you have now, how would you go from your initial idea to where you're at now, where you're transitioning from, from part-time to full-time? In the beginning, we were just learning a lot, um, and a lot was being tossed at us, and we had a lot to consider. So I don't think we, looking back, you know, it was we were doing all the things that we needed to be doing to to get things going. We're now in development mode, which is really exciting. We're actually customizing a new platform for Marry My City, and just signed a contract last week with a group of developers. So I think looking back, we might have done that sooner. We had to try out various platforms and see what worked, and there were a lot of glitches along the way, and and that was also an important part of the process because we hit a point where we realized now is the time to make this leap. But there were times where we maybe could have um, just sped up the process a bit and and recognize that this is a need and people really want this. So let's bring this to market and make it happen instead of, you know, tiptoeing for a week here and there around it. All in all, we've been we've been just hitting the ground and, and nothing is totally automated right now. So Talis and I spend a lot of our time um, meeting with these small businesses and talking to couples and getting these gifts and delivering these gifts. Um, so it is very much a hands-on process. And um, it's all been really important to how we've shaped the business because we're learning about each segment of the business as we go. So um, I don't think we did anything wrong, <laughs> but we, we had definitely had a ton of fun um, as we were just kind of getting our getting our um, feet on the ground. And when I think back, I don't know that we had life circumstances pushing us to really start this business. I don't want to undermine our belief in the idea because we both were super passionate about it, but neither of us were starving. We had other jobs. We had other passion projects. So I think that all played a role into just us easing into this and really figuring out what it was versus diving in, you know, 100% from day one. We took our time to figure it out. And I think you're exactly right. We learned a lot along the way. And I I don't know that I would change it either. So you said that you guys both had full-time jobs. You had other passion projects that you were working on. What pushed you to do this idea versus staying comfortable where you were at? I think initially when we completed venture school, we received a lot of validation in the idea and ourselves as a team. We received, I think, equal compliments on the business model, but also that people saw the two of us together as being very complimentary co-founders. And I think we needed that validation moving forward. Yeah, and we both have pretty supportive networks around us. So even we were talking the other day, our spouses are very excited about this idea. And even at home, they're like, you know, you got to make this happen because we got to retire soon. So make Marry My City happen. Uh, but it's like a constant. They're very excited about it and they're friends, which is helpful. So just having, you know, somebody, all everybody around you very supportive of, of you taking this a step further and making it happen. And at the end of the day, Talis and I are super proud of what we had accomplished and we didn't want to just toss that aside. Um, and we're proud of the idea and what it's become. So that also is a definite push, you know, week to week to keep it going. So basically what you're saying is marry some people, marry, marry a husband that really supports you so you can retire soon. Is that, that's the key to it. Uh, <laughs> So you guys right now, so you're transitioning to full-time. You're still working. You're still doing theater stuff. You're still doing dance stuff. I just want to know how you guys have time for all of this stuff in your schedule, plus being married and you have one one kid? 
you have one kid. <laughs> so how do you guys have time for all this stuff? How do you how do you structure your days so you you know you have room for all these things in your schedule? I think being busy is um, something that can be chaotic or it can help you function really well in my case. And I think I've learned that Caitlin's may be very similar. It helps me to be productive, to have a lot of things going on in my week. They all need to be things that I care about and I need to understand why I'm doing them. But too much free time allows me to kind of think too hard about analyzing things. So the fact that I am married and I do have a child and I have multiple jobs just kind of keeps me motivated to keep all of those things going. And it's not easy. I'm not trying to say that I do it perfectly because I don't. Um, But having a lot going on keeps me stimulated just as a person moving forward. Yeah, and to tag on to that, I totally agree with all of that. And we're both pretty motivated as individuals, so that really helps to have someone who's very similar at their core to you that you're working alongside. We also are very, we communicate well. Um, We understand that we have these other things we like to do, whether that's going away for the weekend or spending time with family or um, being in a production of sorts, or sometimes I just need to like go and be in nature. And we both understand that that is important. And so we are, we communicate that in advance. And we, so if one of us is having a week where we're just a little bit more stressed out with something else, or we're just consumed with other things, the other person can kind of take the lead. So we balance that pretty well and we play off each other and our schedules very well as, so it works out. So I feel like a lot of people really struggle with partnerships and you two seem to do a really good job communicating and I don't know. I, I feel like every time I see you guys are both on the same page, you're, you're both just really working together to move the business forward. What advice do you have for people who are in the earlier stages of either maybe finding a partner or getting a business started with a partner to make sure that you know they have a high-functioning <laughs> partnership to give their business the best chance for success? I think Caitlin kind of alluded to this with uh, talking about how we communicate well. That's crucial. Uh, You always have to have open communication with somebody that you're in business with for sure. Um, But I think just being honest on top of that, um, early on when we were really trying to figure out what this was going to look like and if it was going to be a big deal. I mean, it's kind of like being married, you know, in a way we are. And so I'm, you know, really like as honest with Caitlin as I am with my husband in a lot of ways. And I think that that's really important moving forward so that we can trust each other and we can support each other in business and then with personal stuff as well. I think you covered it, but I think we should maybe even have a ceremony soon. And so all of our all of our listeners, you are invited if we end up um, wedding. And we will be registering at marrymycity.com. <laughs> no, you're fine. Clap away. It's, it's shame, Shameless plug, marrymycity.com. Sign up. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned something before about taking time outside and taking time in nature. How, how big of an impact or what impact do you feel like that has on your ability to really focus on, on the big picture or your goals at your organization? I think getting away from it all and clearing your head, we both do that in different ways. Um, you know, Talis may be able to speak to how she accomplishes that, but mine's definitely getting, as people say, getting off the grid, but truly just um, maybe taking my dog and hitting a trail and walking and just being outside 
it really helps you kind of center everything and um, puts things in perspective. So it's also what travel does for me is you can learn a lot if you're observant and you are in other places and you kind of step outside of yourself. So I think that's very important as you're growing is you don't get too deep in the weeds and too obsessive over certain things and you actually take time to release and, um, and think about what matters most. I think I'm lucky in that my other job is uh, being a dance instructor and choreographer. I get to tap into, uh, you know, stress release in a physical way as I am, you know, exercising and expressing myself creatively. So that's just kind of a, a lucky thing that I have in my life, that it is both a passion and a profession. And I think having that now as um, a balance with Mary My City just allows me to really kind of like turn on my thinking analytical professional strategic brain with Mary My City and then match that on the other side with kind of a more creative physical expression with dance which is is really cool eventually I may not be able to continue doing both like I am now but right now it seems to be a really good fit do you think that there's been any other takeaways from from being a dance instructor that have helped you in the business world So I teach ballroom dance, and I think that that's been really interesting for me to see the connections between that and teamwork. I've had a lot of cases where I work with couples, and I find that I walk away feeling a little bit like a marriage counselor sometimes, or I find myself talking to them about how to communicate, not about how to dance. And I've often been asked to teach workshops involving dance where maybe the group of people are coworkers for a larger corporation, and I've find that dance can be a really cool tool in talking about um, strategy and teamwork and analyzing problems in a different way. So certainly that just kind of came into my life in a cool way. And now I've been able to apply that to uh, leading a business, a new business. Yeah, for some reason, I always thought that it'd be good for business partners or coworkers to take dance lessons or maybe like acro yoga together mm-hmm. to really like develop because you have to trust the other person because if you don't, like, it's going to be it's going to be noticeable pretty quickly so it's it's interesting that you say that and then also the comparisons with business partners and spouses so Caitlin this I have a question for you about your your traveling and I was I was just curious as to you know our audience really enjoys hearing about different places of travel and stories and you know advice from people who frequently travel so do you have a favorite like story from traveling that you like to tell over drinks or dinner the the ones that I tell over drinks and dinner with friends are definitely not okay to share maybe on the air here. Uh, there's been some wild stories. Um, you know, when you're traveling, you kind of get into some interesting situations and you just have to roll with it. And um, I recently went to Croatia with my uh, husband's family and it was a beautiful country. You should all go. That was kind of my most recent travel. But I think maybe even just a piece of travel as, as Talis was alluding to, you know, dance kind of helps her certain ways in the workplace. Um, touching on that a bit, traveling, you know, you're, you're, thrown into a lot of different situations where you have to adapt and you have to be um, very flexible and open to new things. And so I think that is really helpful when you're in a high stress or um, really um, uh, crazy workplace of sorts. And even in our day to day, just finding those ways to uh, strategize and, and and keep your mind still and at ease um, and tackle a situation, even though you might be um, anxiety ridden inside. So I have so many travel stories that I can't think of one crazy one to tell right now. But if I think of it before we end this podcast, I will. (laughs) I will definitely share. Do you have a favorite place you've been to? Favorite place? Um, I think... 
the most interesting and un- I like to go to places that when I step off the plane, they're different than here so that I feel like I'm in a totally new world, a, two- a new place. And so I think a place that I felt like that most was in Burma, Myanmar, also known as. Another shameless plug for Burma. <laughs> okay, so I, I want to kind of transition a little bit into what's what's next for Marry My City. So so let me see if I have the timeline correct. You guys started about two years ago. You you're starting to transition to full time. That's that's the goal here pretty soon. Uh, you're ready to getting ready to roll out a new software platform, or to build a new software platform, something like that. So. New software platform rolls out, then what's next? So the reason for the new software build is that we would like to scale to other cities. Right now we are here in Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, known as the Corridor, and we would love to be able to move into new markets, including Des Moines, Omaha, Kansas City, Madison, um, and we need the uh, capacity with our technology to handle that scalability. So we're hoping that 2018 is a big year where we go to at least uh, two new markets and we continue to scale from there. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I feel like you may have done like Paul Graham's concept of doing things that don't scale. Are you familiar with that? No. Okay. So yeah, it's it's this whole concept of like doing things hands-on, interacting with your customers, kind of figuring out what the process looks like before you even think about the technology. So so, you know, I, I give you guys props for doing that, whether you did it on purpose or not. It's it's uh, it's pretty cool to see that. So let's um, I'd like to transition to like the, the last part of our show. I feel like this could take a little bit of time. So I'm going to since we have two people. But the first question that I have for you is, you know, what do you do on a daily basis that you feel like gives you gives you an edge or maybe gives you a leg up, um, you know, or maybe something that you avoid doing because, you know, it kind of slows you down. Uh, this is more like daily routines, habits, stuff like that. Yeah, I attempt to um, not start my day by just jumping on a computer and checking all the emails on my phone because that can just um, throw you kind of into the wrong mood. So um, definitely try to get up and have some me time, uh, whether that's working out or I'm just starting Spanish. So um, a little Spanish lesson then in the morning just to get uh, my head into a into a good work mode, um, but also thinking about, you know, um, thinking about the day and thinking about what I want to accomplish instead of just having somebody talking at me and telling me what I need to do for the day. So so that is definitely important to, to get us off on the right track. And then also Talis and I start our week every week where we sit down and say, here's what we need to accomplish this week, kind of who's doing what. And that really helps us put um, an agenda together, if you will, for for and goals for the week. And um, so that's been working really, really well. So one reality of being a parent is that your day often starts on someone else's time. Um, the baby cries and says it's time to get up, and then uh, we go from there. So one thing that I've actually restarted recently to kind of get my head on straight is a gratitude journal, and I do it at night before I go to bed. I find that in the morning it's a little bit tough because I don't know exactly when my son's going to wake up, and the, and the day takes off from there. But at the end of the day, I try to sit down and write what I'm grateful for, and the things that come up, um, just remind me what I truly am um, passionate about, what my true values are. I try not to think too hard about it, but then as I go back and I reflect, I see commonalities coming up, you know, from day to day, and it just reminds you of the the people that are really there for you in your life and the situations that are there because they're supposed to be. Do you have a process that you go through that you can share when you when you fill out the gratitude journal, or do you have like a uh, one of those that you buy and it kind of gives you like a guide? Do you want to walk me through how you do that? 
It's really as simple as a notebook and a pen. I've tried this before. Um, in the past, I've, I've done it where I might just write three words a day. You know, so every day I sit down and just write three words. They could be people's names or things. But recently, when I've restarted this, I kind of just start free writing. It's usually a short paragraph. And I try, like I said, not to think too hard about it. I open my notebook, I date it, and I say, this is what's going on. And this is, you know, what I'm, what I'm grateful for. And I, you know, say a short prayer and, and that's it. It seems like a pretty good process. I use the five-minute journal. I do the morning and night with that. But it's it's not as long form. It's like... What are three things that went well today? And I'm like, oh, well, I have five. So, <laughs> no, that's very cool. I, I think taking the time to fill out a gratitude journal and think about the things that we're grateful for is is important. And you know, I hope people take the time to maybe like start doing their own gratitude journal after hearing that. Uh, which leads me to my next question, which is, what do you think the most impactful book that you've read is, and why? Okay, I wish I had a really good answer for this, um, but. Instead of a book, I'm going to plug a podcast. I don't want to use the parent excuse again, but sometimes it's just hard to find time to read. But whether I'm, you know, making breakfast for my son or driving to a meeting or something, I've been really getting into podcasts. And I'm really into Oprah's Super Soul Conversations lately. I can't honestly say that I've been a huge Oprah fan in my life, but she's got some really cool conversations on her podcast. It's called Super Soul Conversations, and I definitely recommend checking it out. Mine is a book for children ages zero to five, and it's called What to Do with an Idea. And I actually buy this for all of my friends when they have kids because at its core, it's like the coolest um, and most uh, worthy, you know, story. It's this little boy who builds this idea. I won't give it away, but, you know, people aren't very encouraging of his idea, but he still moves forward with it. And it's just a very simple and subtle way of saying, you know, keep going. And, and if you believe in something, you know, put your all into it and the world will see how amazing it is. So what to do with an idea is a really wonderful children's book. And another great podcast is The Formula. So if you haven't checked that out yet, you totally should. Shameless plug for The Formula. <laughs> no, that's that sounds like an awesome book. I've never actually heard of that, but um, I think I secretly might buy it for my two nieces So because they're both less under five. And then my sister doesn't listen to this, so so I'm safe saying that on here. <laughs> One other quick question that I had that just kind of popped up as both of you were talking uh, was, I've asked a few guests this, and this is putting you on the spot a little bit, but what do you think the most important lesson that you learned growing up was? Uh, my my mom would always just say, you know, you never know what people are going through, so kill everybody with kindness. And it's such a simple thing, but just be kind to all of those around you and the world will give you greatness back. So, I mean, it's something we're doing day to day and it's such a, again, going back to children's books and, and really um, easy words of wisdom. It's just um, be a good person and, and, the, and give back and, and the world will do the same to you. So my dad used to say to me, Talus less is more and he would often say this when I was trying to leave the house probably with too much makeup on but um, I carry that with me still because I often you know will find myself maybe trying too hard or trying to force a situation so every once in a while that little mantra pops into my head less is more. Well, I want to say thank you to both of you for taking the time to show up on this uh, episode of The Formula. To wrap up the show, I'd just like to ask uh, either one of you if you have <clears throat> one piece of advice or or some message that you'd like to leave our audience today. 
You know, if you have a cool idea, or even if you don't even know if it's cool or think it's cool, but it's an idea worth sharing, go on a walk with a friend and tell her about it because you never know where that might lead. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap for this week's show. I'd like to give a big thank you to Talis and Caitlin for sitting down with us on the formula for this episode. If you'd like to check out Marry My City and what they have going on over there for their services for those of you who are looking to get married in the near future, go ahead and head over to marrymycity.com. On another note, if you think you might be interested in or you might enjoy getting other types of uh, info products from us such as guides, ebooks, uh, other podcasts, who knows what else we'll be sending your way. Just all kinds of good stuff. Go ahead and head over to helixacademy.co and sign up for our newsletter today. That's all for this week's show. My name is Trevor Carlson, and I look forward to you tuning in to the next episode of The Formula.